the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. There are two kinds of faith. When I was, faith was defined for me in this way. When daddy went out to the car and he put his key in and he turned it on, he said, I know the car will start. It's faith, knowing that the car will start. But what was his faith in that way based upon? 
It was based on a mechanical understanding of what would happen when the solenoid was turned on and the connection was made between the motor that would start the car and the battery. It was a mechanical assuredness. Now, it would start the car until it would not. And on some occasions, I've gone and gotten in the car and turned on the key, and the motor has not started because a light was left on in the car and the battery was dead, or the battery died because it was old, and the car didn't start. So that's the first kind of faith. It's human faith. It's based on experience. It's based on what I've learned. It's human faith. And it flows out of the human spirit. Now, magnificent things, magnificent buildings have been built. Magnificent accomplishments have been done with human spirit. The human spirit is very creative sometimes. It is throbbing with power, positive thinking. It's powerful. There are psychosomatic healings where a person will, by their own mental power, decree that they are healed. And they will be healed sometimes. Faith is a powerful tool to use in a person's life, combined with positive thinking and combined with possibilities. Robert Schuller made a career out of human psychic power. He would say, if it's going to be, it's up to me. Or he would say, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. He built an empire based on human psychic power called faith. Today, that whole empire has crumbled and been disillusioned. Another church now owns the property. He's dead and gone. His children fought bitterly over the congregation, and everyone lost. It was built on human power, psychic power. It was built by faith, faith that worked until it didn't, and then it crashed. Now I come today to talk about another another kind of faith, a faith that is not psychic, faith that flows from the heart of God, faith that, that acts in accord with the word of God, with the rhema word of God. What is rhema? It is breathed by God. It is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. Now, human flesh, faith, can read the scriptures and find a promise and declare that promise to be true. 
That's not the kind of faith we're going to deal with today. I've known people who have been told by their pastor, one young man, he was told by his pastor, look, exercise your faith. Go buy that new van on time. Start your business. And you're going to prosper as you stand by faith. Well, he went and bought the van. He didn't have the money to get all the proper insurance. And before he could get the right insurance on that van, it was stolen. And he was hung high and dry to pay for that van that had been stolen, that he had no insurance covering it. The pastor was very foolish. He was walking in human psychic faith. You could probably tell me many similar stories. Faith that worked until it didn't. The kind of faith I want to talk to you about today always works. It never fails. It is sure. It is absolute. But it exacts a terrible price. Let me share a story with you. We find Abraham has once more demonstrated the old way of thinking, and he has offered his wife, his precious wife, that he is to have a son by. Now he gives her up to the Philistine king, Abimelech, because he's afraid that Abimelech will kill him and take his wife by force. So she says, he's my brother. He says, she's my sister, which was true. They were half brother and sister. But they were also married. He denied his marriage. This is after he has walked for some time with the Lord. He has been rebuked in Egypt and shamed and kicked out of the country. Now, what do I say about Abraham? He was a man of faith, but not always. There was throbbing in Abraham's heart a desire to survive and to live. And he was going to do whatever he had to do in order to survive and live. And if that meant giving up his wife, so be it. He was going to give up his wife. Now, that's in chapter 20. Shortly after this, she gives birth to Isaac. Now, how do I say this? God has walked Abraham through incredible covenant promises. He called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. 
He asked him to leave his family behind, but instead he brought daddy and a nephew with him. That ended up in their being hung up in Haran. And in that place, it was parched. He moved on, but he didn't stay in Cana land after his daddy died. Instead, because of a famine, he moved to Egypt. There he gave away his wife. He's kicked out of Egypt, and he comes back now to where God is going to walk with him in the promised land, and God speaks with him. Now, slowly, step by step, God is teaching Abraham how to walk by true faith. But God now has to determine whether or not Abraham will obey him. As he's now with a son, he's lost Ishmael, and that cut him to the heart. And now he makes an altar. And he calls upon the name of the Lord, the eternal God. And God doesn't answer him. God has withdrawn at a distance. Because God has one more test for Abraham. It is terrifying to me when God comes to test us. Now, let me just say, there are some of you listening today that God has called and he's walked you through much. But you haven't passed the final test. It's not certain yet that God can trust you because you have delayed in obedience to God. If I were to ask you today, be very honest with me, have you done all that God has asked you to do? Or have you hunkered down in a place of sin where you're still tasting the fruit of wickedness. You're still tasting the fruit of darkness. You're still caught in some addiction. You're emotionally hungry and desiring to have friendship with with a person that has compromised you. You're living with somebody you're not married to. You're cheating at work. You're not being completely faithful to God. You still go to church, maybe. A dead church, maybe. Still give a little tithe 
little offering. When will you make a decision to absolutely put your faith and trust in Jesus and take whatever radical action you have to take to be in full compliance with what you know that God has called you to do? Oh, I know people who were caught in the academic world or caught in the experiential world or caught in the success world, the prosperity world. And they swell up in their, in their heart with, I can do it. I can do it. I can be somebody. I can accomplish what I want to accomplish. And they begin the process of building an empire like Robert Schuller did. It may even be a religious empire. But in the end, it's going to crash and burn because it's psychic faith. It can't be genuine faith until you walk in total obedience to the word of the living God to you. The obedience that comes in one's life to the word of God opens for us the door of true faith, of the faith of Jesus. If you are walking in disobedience to the Lord, but you are claiming promises of God, you're walking in psychic faith. But if you hear the word of God and you obey it, you do what God asks you to do, you're walking in the faith that is genuine. After all of Abraham's journey, he's now an old man. They're raising their son, Isaac. He's now a young man. And chapter 22 of Genesis says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. That word tested is translated in the Septuagint as sometime later God pierced Abraham. The literal Hebrew meaning of the word for tested is to light up as a banner, to totally expose with the brilliance of light so that nothing is hidden. So if God comes to test you, Literally, he's saying, I am going to expose every part of your soul to the light and you will be utterly, totally visible to me. Nothing will be hidden from my eyes. I am going to carefully examine you in the light. That's terrifying. 
It means literally that you cannot pass if there is any shadow of darkness in your soul because it is going to be exposed for what it is. And before we enter into the kingdom of Jesus Christ, before we enter into the final glory of heaven, every man and every woman will be fully exposed in the brilliant light of God that nothing of your heart can be hidden away or covered in the darkness. God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Remember, Ishmael's been sent away. He's no longer walking as a son of Abraham. Sarah insisted that he be cut off, that he not be considered a son. Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I will tell you about. Remember when he was in Haran, he was told to go to a land God would show him. Now he's being commanded to take his son to a mountain that God will show him. And on that mountain, he is to offer his precious son, his only son, like a lamb, to cut his throat, to bleed him out, to burn him to ashes on the altar of sacrifice. This is the ultimate exposure of Abraham's heart. This is the final test that he must pass. If he is to receive in actuality the promise God has made to him regarding his future. Now how can a man take his son and offer him as a burnt offering because God has called for it. It makes me want to weep just, just to read the scriptures. See, the Lord God of heaven, he asks for it all. And many of you listening to this broadcast have withheld from God some portion of your heart or your life, and you're still walking in rebellion and darkness against Jesus. And you know what that rebellion is. You know the distance between your heart and God's heart. Some of you are so filled with the throbbing of the human spirit. Coarse joking unclean language bitter anger envy rebellion ambition you know the inner part of your heart is unclean before a holy God 
and to have God come to you and say, look, lay on the altar all that is so precious to you. Will you do it? Will you do it? Will you do it now? God is calling for you to submit. I talked with one person. They said, I'm not going to submit to anybody let alone to a husband. I'm not going to submit to anybody, especially to a wife. I'm not going to submit. I'm a, I'm a person. I have rights. I'm equal to you. I'm equal to everybody. I'm not going to submit. Let me read a passage of Scripture for you out of James, the third chapter. This is verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy or selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. See, that's what I'm asking you today. Will you not deny the truth of your heart's condition before God? Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. If you say, I will not submit, I am going to operate in my own strength and my own power, Pastor James is saying you're walking in demonic power. You've been deceived. Verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, and then peace-loving, considerate submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Under every bitter root, you'll find self-indulgence, demands, for what you want. And when you don't get it, you're mad. Hiddenness. Not sharing who you are or what you are. Not sharing. Being secretive. There's a bitter root somewhere in that heart, in that life. So there's self-indulgence. And there's selfishness. There's independence. I'm as good as you are. I have every right. And a heart filled with ambition. I'm going to go do this and this and this.
Abraham is faced with this. What's it going to do? What will his decision be? Now, let me closely define faith. Psychic faith operates out of human flesh desires. Psychic faith operates out of the human spirit. It's filled with ambition. It's filled with selfishness. It is based on bitter roots of anger and pride. True faith comes out of hearing the word of God and submitting to that word of God and walking in obedience to do exactly what you're told. In psychic faith, you are the initiator of what you desire and then by means of witchcraft, by confessions, by affirmations, by psychic power, putting a picture of the car up on the refrigerator that you want, claiming it, this is mine. That's psychic power. It's not biblical faith. Biblical faith comes out of an unselfish heart, out of hearing the word of God, and then regardless of the cost of that word, obeying it. I know people who have heard the word of God to them. And then they have turned and walked away. They've heard God's word to them, go here, do this, do that. And then after a period of time and it's uncomfortable and they don't see things working just the way they want it to, they say, oh, that wasn't really God. That was just my human spirit speaking to me because they don't want to submit and they don't want to obey the word of God to them. And so God stops talking to them and they then are going to be controlled by their own psychic faith their own ambitions, even to do wonderful things in the world, create wonderful things, to accomplish wonderful things. But it's psychic power. It's not faith that obeys the word of God. Now I'm saying this to you because for many years in pastoral ministry, I operated out of psychic faith, not knowing that true faith comes out of hearing and obeying the word of God. So here's Abraham. He's an old man. He has his precious son that was promised that he walked for years in Cana land waiting on God. He left his home in Ur of the Chaldees and in Haran waiting for God to do what he promised him. And now God has come to him 
and has said, Take your son, the, the only son Isaac, whom you love, go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Now what will Abraham do? Now you know the story, so you already know, but wait a minute. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to operate your faith, hearing the word of God and obeying it? Or are you going to settle for psychic faith? Which will it be for you? One will take you to heaven and one will take you to hell. One will create a great cathedral and then it will be crushed. One will create an empire and then it will be crushed. Everything of the human spirit that is created is short-lived. You want to cheer. You want to stand up and shout at Hebrews 22. I'm sorry, Genesis 22, verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. Early the next morning, Abraham did not wait and argue with God for a day or two or a week and see if God would change his mind. He knew God well enough by this point in his life that when God uttered a word, he was going to obey that word, regardless of what the cost was to him. He had gone to Egypt. He'd gone to Abimelech. He had disobeyed the word of God. He had seen the consequence of this disobedience. He had seen the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. And when he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. It doesn't say he talked to his wife. I can't even begin to speak about what happened to Sarah. All I can tell you is that when she died, she was not with Abraham. She was in a far place. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Notice, he said, We will come back. And if you read carefully, The word of God says in the New Testament about Abraham. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. You'll find that Abraham reasoned in his heart and said, God has said that this son would be the one through whom the promise would come. That means that if I take my son's life and burn his body on the altar of burnt offering out of those ashes God will have to resurrect Isaac 
Abraham had learned to put absolute trust and confidence in the word of the living God, knowing that his very life and the future of his family depended upon his obedience to the word of God. And that in scripture is called faith. Obedience and faith are bound together as one. You cannot have faith and not have obedience unless it is psychic faith. The devil loves psychic faith. God loves biblical obedience to his commands. Stay here with the donkey. While I and the boy go over there, we will worship. And then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood. This was the wood for the burnt offering. And he placed it on his son Isaac, tied to his back. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham's heart must have been utterly cut, pierced. Remember, the word God tested Abraham means God lit him up as a banner, totally exposing everything that was in his mind and his heart. God can now have a microscope over Abraham's heart, over his mind, over his spirit. He sees everything that is in Abraham. It is all exposed to heaven. Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. And then they reached the place that God had told him about. Abraham built an altar there. I can see Isaac helping, carrying the stones setting up the altar, arranging the wood on it. And then the word of God says that Abraham bound his son Isaac, picked him up, and laid him on top of that stone altar, on top of the wood. And he reached out his hand, and he took the knife, to slay his son. This is incomprehensible. His precious son, the son of promise. God has asked that this son be offered as a burnt offering. And he now is going to do it. This is biblical faith. When I hear the command of God, and regardless of how I feel about it, I will do it. I will obey him. 
But the angel of the Lord, that is the messenger, it could have been the pre-incarnate Jesus himself, called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Notice it does not say, now I know that you love God. This is not a matter of emotional connectedness to God. This is a matter of walking before God in absolute holiness and obedience because Abraham now knows for certain who God is. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the majesty of heaven. All things are in his hands. He controls the destiny of every person. He controls the future of the world. He is God. And God says, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will see. The Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided, for it shall be seen. What do you understand today? The Father sacrificed his Isaac on the cross of Calvary. God himself paid the price he would not let Abraham offer his son because his son could not pay the atonement price for the sin of mankind. It had to be a holy, a holy God who died on Calvary's tree. So God did what he asked Abraham to do, but he stopped the knife and said no. Don't touch your son. I see now that you fear me. I see now that you will obey me. Now he goes on. I swear by myself. This is God speaking. This is the Lord. This is the almighty King of kings and Lord of lords. I swear by myself. There's no one greater than God. He swears by himself. That because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring all nations on earth will be blessed. Because you have obeyed me, 
You cannot have biblical faith with no obedience. Faith and obedience are one, not identical, but closely bound one to another. Because you have obeyed me. I want to read for you a passage of scripture. It's found in the book of James, Pastor James. This is James, the second chapter. I'll begin reading in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have deeds. Well, show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God. Good, even the demons believe that, and they shudder. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And some people want to say, that's imputed righteousness. No, it's not. It's imparted righteousness. God imparted to Abraham the strength and the ability to offer his son Isaac in obedience to the command of God. Always, the rhema word of God comes, and the obedience must follow if we are walking in saving faith. And it is God who imparts to us the power to obey him. He was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. The lying prophets of our day, the lying preachers of our day, want to say, God, when he looks at you, does not see you. He sees Jesus, and Jesus' righteousness covers you with grace. It's a lie. When God looks at you, he sees you. When God looked at Abraham, he did not see Jesus. He saw Abraham, and he saw that Abraham was willing to obey the word of God, and God enabled him with grace to do that word. person is considered righteous by what they do not by faith alone in the same way was not even Rahab the 
considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies, sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So I want to come today and ask, are you walking in make-believe faith, in psychic faith? Are you standing on scriptural promises or on the word that someone has spoken to you and you're saying, I claim it in the name of Jesus, it is so? Has God given you a rhema word? Have you obeyed it? Are you walking in obedience to his word to you to stop the fornication, to stop the pornography? Have you obeyed the word of God when he has told you what he wants you to do? Or are you walking in disobedience, but you still somehow believe that you're going to be saved? Impossible. Impossible. Faith comes by hearing the word, by hearing God's word to you. So have you, have you forgotten the word of God to you? Has it been so long since you wholeheartedly obeyed God that now you're in confusion and you don't know which way to turn? Would you then begin to wait upon the Lord? Would you stop searching your course and lighting your own fires? Would you wait upon the Lord for another word from God? You know already that he's asked you to turn away from all sin. You know already that he's asked you to turn away from fornication or pornography or cursing, or stealing, or lying. He's asked you to turn away from all of those things. Some of you have done that, but still you are utterly confused about what course you should take, and you're just doing what you have to do to survive, and you're saying, where is God? What was the last word he spoke to you? Go back to that place and obey it. And then God will speak to you clearly again. He's spoken very clearly to me. I'm doing exactly what he told me to do. He gave me this message today. This message did not flow out of my heart. It flowed out of the heart of Jesus. Are you willing to do whatever it takes to obey the Lord? Will you repent of your sin? Will you turn from darkness? Will you walk in the light? Lord, I plead today. Jesus, I plead your blood today for each person listening to this broadcast. I ask that you would turn them aside from all of human flesh faith, psychic faith. And I pray, O oh God, that you will speak your word clearly to each person today, that they would know what you are asking of them, 
and then give them the strength and the courage to obey that word, whatever it is, for where they should go and what they should do. Lord, take away all of their excuses, all of their human flesh reasonings. Convict them, O God. There are men and women today listening who want to be used by you, Jesus, but they can't be used by you because they won't obey you. Lord, would you change their hearts now? Convict them and cause them to repent and obey. In the name of Jesus, amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'd love to hear from you. I praise God for those who have sacrificially given this month, last month, for last month's radio. We need now to start on this month, on this first day of the month, April. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com nationalprayerchapel.com You can follow us on YouTube. It streams live. You can watch the streaming live production day by day. I pray you'll follow the Lord's direction. He loves you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.